0: Hello and greetings, this is Regix3. I'm happy to welcome you to another podcast episode. Comsword's been chomping at the bit to get to talk about this, so get ready as we deep dive on the one and only Commander Sun. So, very much like Farsight, I'm going to approach this Tau talk in that I have done extensive research and I have something of a script with the other stuff, I usually it's a little bit more free flowing, kind of moving back and forth. And uh, but this one, I think it's uh, I think it's really important that I stick as close to possible to a a kind of a timeline of events. So, Redrix, the, am I coming in clear and everything? Did I just close the window just in case? You're good. Um, everything sounds all clear. right. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited. Okay. So to begin with. Shadow Sun, her name is Shaso Tao Shasera, she's also known as the heroine of the third sphere, the spearhead of the greater good, um, she has a lot of titles. She is the preeminent, or Ro, of the Tao Empire, and she is the second person to kind of exist in this way, in that she's at the top of the decision-making process of her caste. The only other person that really ever came close to this position is Commander Farsight. And every commander before that was really just kind of kind of focused on either their own sets or their own military campaigns, where they focused on create, you know, establishing new seps, dealing with a particular threat. Shadow Sun and Farsight are both given almost carte blanche power in order to make decisions on behalf of the empire as a whole. So she's a very unique individual in that regard. Now, one of the things that I really loved that we did last time is that we started off with a quote, and Cosmonaut, who's in the audience right now, has a much more wonderful voice when it comes to reading some of canonical lore, so pardon me as, as I use my gruff Americanness to do it. But this is a quote from Shadow Sun that I really feel pins her to a certain ideal, and that is, to follow any, uh, any path other than the Tau Vah is to doom us all, only together and with courage and discipline shall we stand victorious fight with fire and courage and nothing can stand against us so if i were to you know of all the things she said i think that this really exemplifies what shadow sun is about and really through her what the tao empire is about in the most recent lore she basically is almost like a conservative like what we would call like a conservative tao perspective in that she believes that adhering to this mandate, this belief system is the only way that they're going to survive. And this really foils perfectly, or this actually, this counteracts Farsight's each, his own quote, which we started his episode with, which is each must find their own way. So Farsight is an individual. He's he's the leader of a breakaway faction, but even amongst his faction, he is in fact also kind of a lone wolf character in that he disappeared for like a century. So where you have farsight as the loner, as kind of like the person that is advocating that individuality is paramount, Shadow Sun reinforces this notion, this very Tao notion that we're all in this together and that we have to work together in order to survive. And I think that's fantastic. And I think that, especially as you get to know Shadow Sun, she's cold, she's somewhat distant, even amongst her own family, which we'll learn about today, she was an outlier and believed that her distance from people actually was a strength. Even despite the fact that she was offered constant support, either be it from Pure Tide or Anva. There's a wonderful passage in a book called The Last of Kira's Line, in which Anva is almost like a grandfatherly figure to her, which is such a contradiction to kind of what I think people regularly think about with Anba, that he's you know kind of more of like a creepy uncle type or like a distant space pope. Like he's a very warm character to her. And then her father herself, a very famous commander named Kiru. And despite all of this support that she got, and then of course in later iterations, Farsight's own romance for her, she is always described as being distant. That's such a contradiction again from Farsight, who Farsight is beloved by his troops. He's catapulted to this celebrity status, which had never really existed before. Even even Pure Tide didn't hold this position. And yet Farsight ends up being this scion for individuality and kind of going your own way, despite being so loved. While Shadow Sun thinks that everybody should be together, but she's cold and distant. Again, it's just, it's really, really excellent character design. So going into that, she is consistently overlooked. Now we're talking about it from the position of the fan base. Most people don't really know who Shadow Sun is, except like either as Farsight's ex-girlfriend, you know, which if you read some lore, that's how she's painted. And other people are like, oh, she's just, a, you know, she's a dupe of the Ethereals or something like that. And that's unfortunate. But then she's also overlooked even within the lore. Through countless campaigns, she, you know, people like to talk about Tau plot armor. And Shadow Sun really exemplifies the notion that, no, there's, no, there's not plot armor, Shadow Sun is actually, like, carving out good stratagems, excellent tactics, and using the entire caste system in order to support herself in all of these different actions. And where Farsight, who, as we talked about, Farsight suffers 50% casualties in almost every engagement that we know about, you know, from the Grylock engagements against the Orcs, to the disaster of Atari Vo, to the fake out that happened, which uh, right after Atari Vo, where the orcs outsmarted him because Farsight has this, almost like this opinion that he has to go and do everything himself. You know, he has to be at the front. Shadow Sun is the exact opposite in that she has an extremely experienced coterie of commanders that she relies on in order to execute campaigns across hundreds, if not thousands of light years of space coupled with this conviction of making sure that she gets the job done with it, with as little loss of life as possible. But these victories are not big. You know, Farsight is given the victory at Delith, and as a result, he becomes in charge of the reclamation forces on the other side of the Damocles Gulf. Shadow Sun is literally put on ice and isn't woken up for another, like, 200 years. Even when Shadow Sun wakes up, this is during the Great War of Confederation, which will get its own episode, She effectively saves the Western Empire from not only the orcs, but also the Reek and also the Hrud. And we know nothing about those accomplishments other than it was such a big deal that then she was then elevated to a similar position as Farsight and then given charge of an entire sphere of expansion, which is larger than the reclamation force that Farsight was given. And then she goes on to have victories against, like, three different Space Marine heroes. And yet, again, Games Workshop doesn't really notice these victories. The fan base doesn't notice these victories. And the third sphere kind of just gets shuffled to the side in terms of the the timeline and the fourth sphere is just launched. So, again, I love Shadow Sun. (laughs) So let's learn a little bit about her. Let's kind of peel back away the rank of commander. First, let's go into she showed up in the second codex for the Tau. This was a big step forward for, for Games Workshop. The codex was written by Andy Hoare, Graham McNeil, Andy Chambers, and Pete Haynes. So these are the, the kind of like the guys that were in the driver's seat when they were inventing the TAW. And it seems like they took the nod from the community to like, you got to start making these, these noble bright guys a little bit more grim-dark. And they did it in a really interesting way, in that they added the word empire onto the faction. So originally it was just the Tau. And then in the second codex, it was called the Tau Empire. And what was so cool about this is that it incorporated the events of the Eye of Terror worldwide campaign in the early 2000s. So it actually took events that were created by the community, by people like you and me, and it actually invested them and canonized them in this codex. It came with the invention of Two new characters. One of them was Anva, and Anva was this this new take on the leadership. Like in, instead of it being she who was kind of a background character, very much like an Obi Wan Kenobi type, they then invented Anva, who is a little bit more let's call him a little bit more like a Palpatine, right? But in his character, it was this notion of like of ultimate hope. You know, that then gets kind of muddied by the fact that we get hints that this new Vespid alien race could be mind-controlled. And then, and then, and then he has chosen a replacement for Farsight um, in the form of Shadow Sun. The, the entire, I, I recommend anybody, you know, if you can find it, anybody go out and try to see what that second codex is like. It's a really, it's a really expert uh, uh, path toward grim darkness. Uh, from, from being exclusively no, uh, noble, uh, noble Bright. So so in this version of Shadow Sun, and, and, and this is the first version, uh, Shadow Sun uh, did not know Farsight. She was uh, a pupil of Pure Tide, which if you look at the timeline, that would mean that she was a student to the facsimile uh, of Pure Tide, uh, rather than being taught from the physical version. Now, just a little bit of lore on that. Kirtide was a flesh and body leader of the Tao people uh, in the second sphere. Um, he's responsible for the creation of septs like Tashvar. And uh, at the end of his life, he was poisoned, uh, presumably by the Dark Eldar during a, during a raid. And uh, he had he basically retired to his home, home sept of Dalith, where he continued to uh, train and teach commanders, one of them being uh, Commander Farsight. But at the end of his life, uh, uh, excuse me, on the day of his death, they copied his brain and turned him into basically like uh, an extremely sentient AI, of which the Tao are are kind of known for. Uh, Shadows, this first version of Shadow Sun would have been taught under that that type of uh, pure type, which I, I've always found interesting because again, uh, this would have set her apart that Farsight was uh, learned from the real thing and Shadow Sun uh, learned from the uh, let's call it the 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 photocopied version. Um, she she rises to prominence uh, at a time when specifically the the dependability of the fire cast is in question. Um, the events of Farsight's departure from the Commonwealth has resulted in a schism uh, between the methodologies of the fire uh, of the of the fire. Cast commanders, uh, people like Brightsword, which some of you might uh, might have heard his name, um, uh, commits an atrocity, like a, a full-on massacre on a planet called Nimbosa, and there are a couple other commanders that are that engage kind of freely with uh, elements of uh, of the Space Marines, uh, which again they kind of operate outside of the Dalith Ceasefire Treaty that was signed at the conclusion of the. Uh, the Damocles Gulf Crusade, which, which just so everybody knows, um, on the Tau side it is called the uh, the Lethege War. So, at the conclusion of that, there was a there was a ceasefire that was signed, uh, and and everybody was supposed to kind of back off. But we enter into almost like a Cold War state for two hundred years, in which Firecast commanders operating, if you read the book Kill Team uh, by Gav Thorpe. Uh, it describes these Tau commanders as, as basically having, like, a lot of autonomy. Uh, and they're building and creating armies of mercenaries as well as fire warriors that think like them. Uh, and they are, they are like, committing to raids and further disruption of the Imperials uh, while also dealing with uh, Imperial factions that are kind of wandering into Tau space. And it is constantly threatening the the kind of let's let's just call it the peace you know if peace can be such a thing in warhammer forty thousand um the events of the book fire warrior by simon Spierer uh then describe basically the the end of the dalith ceasefire uh after uh, a group of space marines kidnap an ethereal uh and bring him back into imperial space so just to give you a little bit of a like a like this is a snapshot of the timeline of when this second codex was written and with these fire, firecast commanders, kind of doing whatever they want, they become unreliable. And so, when Shadow Sun has uh, a string of victories, uh, that 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 kind of put her that put her on uh, on the on the let's call it the the Commonwealth stage, uh, she is chosen by Anva to specifically replace Farsight, and she does so in a very public way. She goes to his. Former mil- uh, military academy called, uh, I believe it's called Montir uh, on the on the Sept world of Viorla, and she blows up a statue dedicated to Commander Farsight. And I think that this is such a this is a this is another really excellent window into the Tao culture. Uh, individuality and self-aggrandizement and hero worship are inherently not what this iteration of the Tau were supposed to be. It's all about. Uh, communality groupthink and 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 a quite literal herd mentality uh, and and shadow sun blowing up the statue is is almost like a focusing now a lot of people have said that that was indicative that shadow sun is going to kill farsight i've never thought that and i, I again I, I kind of adopt a, an older canonical view viewpoint uh, born out of the the book kill team specifically in which the tao don't even really understand the they understand the idea of of a Tao killing a Tao, but it's so alien to why you would do that that it introduces this really interesting mechanic where Tao can't just kill each other like if you could just assassinate Farsight, you would end his quote unquote uh, rebellion. Um, instead, the Tao have to actually like deal with each other on a uh, on a philosophical level. Um, and so Shadow Sun blowing up the statue is a symbolic like we're, we're no longer going to do hero worship. We're going to focus back onto, uh, the edicts of the greater good. And shortly thereafter, she launches the third sphere. Now that's where that book kind of ends. The third sphere was supposed to be the, uh, the kind of the, 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 the events that your, you as a, you as a gamer, your, your games are played in the third sphere. So they, they didn't really go into it too much. Uh, and, uh, all that all that was all that could be gleaned from the hobbyists at that time is that okay. So at this point, the the empire grows by about a third. Um, I believe 33 to 34 percent in size. Uh, several new septs are added. Uh, about a dozen systems are incorporated into uh, the greater whole, which turns into the third sphere. And that was really where that that was where her story kind of kind of ended. And then we get a bunch of these books that come out called uh, the Damocles Duology, which uh, which is an interesting uh, book. It's it, it it it's told from the perspective of a rogue trader and his family uh, being a part of the Damocles Crusade. And this is where the second iteration of Shadow Sun is created. Instead of instead of her being this kind of intrepid new uh, leader, she is actually a She's actually a member of the original Pure Tide, uh, let's call it the super class. Um, and part of that, uh, part of those students was uh, Farsight, uh, Shadow Sun, and believe it or not, a guy named Icewind. Um, Caius is something that gets invented later. Um, and, and, and a lot of people think that it just, it just got, got ported over from the uh, Dawn of War uh, Tau faction, that guy Caius. Uh, especially because the the character during the game mentions Pure Tide, but originally the three students of Pure Tide was Icewind, uh, Farsight, and Shadow Sun, and th- all three of them are integral in the battle at Dalith to try to reject the Damocles Crusade and push it back. And it's actually Pure Tide that is in direct control. Uh, he's he's in he's in direct uh, strategic command of that theater of war. And when they did this, we, we run into like, there's, there's kind of like a push me pull you between all of these different facts. Like how could Shadow Sun have existed 200 years ago and yet now be the preeminent commander of the, uh, the Firecast uh, at the dawn of the third sphere? And a lot of the, a, a lot of the water gets muddied. And then a book called uh, The Last of Kiru's Line comes out. And that's what I'd like to focus on for just a little bit um so so last of kira's line is uh other than fire warrior by simon spurrier and which is the kind of novelization of the video game um if you if you look at last of kira's line it is the most in-depth look that we have of the of of how the fire cast specifically uh deals with family um and obviously you know we've there, you know, the community is always going in different directions, like, oh, do the, the Tao lay eggs? Do the Tao even have family units? Do the Tao care about uh, their brothers and sisters? And the answer is, ultimately, there's an overwhelming amount of evidence to determine, except for except for one novel uh, that, that covers Farsight, uh, m- most recently in about 2018, there is the, uh, an enormous... Amounts of evidence to, to determine that yes, the Tau do care about their family units. And in the last of Kiru's line, we really get into it in, uh, in in learning about Shadow Sun's lineage. Now, Shadow Sun is from the Sept of Tau, and her father was Kiru. And Kiru is part of a bloodline that goes all the way back to the first sphere. And as a result of it's, 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 it's kind of like a, it's called like a magical bloodline. It clearly generated a lot of heroes who brought the Tau out of the first sphere. And as everybody uh, might have heard in one of the other episodes, um, the first sphere was an extremely difficult time. The Tau uh, were up against the orcs and they, they, uh, they they lost, you know, millions of people uh, in, as they learned how to properly uh, engage in ship combat, for example. Uh, the invention of the pulse rifle, the crisis suit, like all of this has happened as a result of massive losses of life uh, in order to create those first spheres. And Kiru's line begins there. As a result, they kind of are a little bit on the outside of what could be called like a typical, uh, a typical towel. Lifestyle. Uh, Kiru has an estate, for example, um, and he was allowed to raise his daughters. Uh, And we know that he had a single uh, mother. They specifically don't say bondmate and they don't say, uh, and they don't use the words like wife, but they do use the term mother. And these three female Tao uh, had the same mother and obviously the same father. And those, uh, those three warriors were Shasel Arumi, the youngest. Chassel Tyrese, uh, who was the middle child, and then Shasera, who was the eldest. And in describing this family, uh, they, begin, uh, the, 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 they begin with this, this, uh, the death of Kiru and they're like going through his stuff. And it's really interesting because everything that Kiru owned, they burn with the exception of like a handful of materials, which will then go into uh, museums basically. Uh, and then, and then his estate is given up and given kind of back to the community. And so that's a, that's a, it's an interesting process of of how the Tau view. Uh, uh, let's let's call it like a celebrity, like Kiru. He was also uh, specifically uh, given dispensation to train his daughters individually, uh, as well as their training uh, with the regular Kreshling Firecast academies. Um, this is this is super interesting because if you compare it to the firecast book uh kais uh, and his his also his fa- uh, famous father uh, uh Shier, um, who who was uh, kind of viewed as a disciple of An uh he was not uh, he was uh, his father like kind of separated himself from kais and kais is is, is left alone in the academy and that's and it's part of like that's part of the big chip on his shoulder that he's constantly trying to impress his father again very very interesting fi- family dynamics but it does show that the Tao do invest in family and even perhaps even more interestingly that bloodlines still serve a purpose it's just whereas you have humanity uh where we kind of create aristocracies and and hierarchies and everything the Tao don't seem to do that they have like a different it's almost like as some of you know uh i like to i like to adopt the the theory uh, that the Tao had evolved from bovine creatures, like it, like it describes in uh Lieber's and Xenologists, amongst other places. Uh, but I think that if you it's almost like this is like a champion bloodline, you know, it's like a like a, a line of champion dogs or or horses. And um, and perhaps the Tao kind of view it the same way. But what happens to these three sisters is that Arumi, um, uh, okay, so so they're they're at Kiru's, uh, few, uh, basically his wake, and this is the last time they they talk to each other, and it, it's it's just after, uh, or excuse me, it's just before the launch of the third sphere, and Arumi will later die uh, defending the ethereal cast on the Sept world of Tashvar. Uh, she's ambushed by a bunch of dark Eldar, and then actually dies days later. Um, she was regarded as a particular beauty. Uh, she is she is considered like the person that looked the most like their mother, uh, which is something that hits Shadow Sun really hard when she finds out about her death. Uh, Chassel Tyrese actually dies uh, on the planet Medusa 5. And I always recommend if you if you have the means, do some research and look at the Medusa Five conflict. It's part of the third sphere expansion and it's actually the deepest the Tau have ever, uh, meaningfully uh, sent an expedition into imperial space, and it was specifically to observe uh, what happens when a warp storm consumes a planet. Um It was the last worldwide event campaign, and it has hundreds of excellent lore elements uh, that you can learn from um, it's it's a it's it's great it's 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 fantastic. but Chassel Tyrese dies. Fighting a keeper of secrets—that's a—that's a greater demon of Slaanesh. and she dies defending the coali- that coalition's uh, uh, high commander, uh, Commander Nam uh which is which is another way of saying kind of like a fire blade or or fire sword—and um, and he ends up becoming like an integral part of Shadouson's like inner council. But Chassel Tyrese dies defend, uh, saving him effectively. So both of these uh, sisters die in these incredibly heroic manners. And in the in the book, Anva is is telling uh, Shadow Sun all of this, and that really hardens her resolve that she has to she has to she has to continue uh, going down the path that she does. But Anva actually gives her an out and says that if you don't want to be the high commander anymore, if you don't want to be uh, the 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 kind of like the the apex commander uh, you can, you can bow out. And it's, it, it, again, it just, it offers such a, such a unique window into how the Tau care about each other. And that's something that's, that's kind of absent from the 40k universe, obviously by design. Um, you know, a space marine is never going to put his, uh, chainsword down. And I think if the Imperial Guard even thought of that for a moment, there'd be somebody to shoot them in the back of the head. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's it really really strengthens the reason why I think the Tower is such a fascinating culture, uh, surrounded by the insanity that is uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand. So, so this is part of that second version of Shadow Sun, and it blends elements of the first uh, and 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 the second. Like they like she perhaps they froze all three of her sisters. You know perhaps it was part of a a larger program, but but it but it it ties it in a really interesting interpretive kind of uh, lore bubble, which then promptly gets popped <laughs> in the third version of what Shadow Sun uh, and, and what most, most likely you, everybody here kind of knows Shadow Sun to be. Um, in the uh, Farsight, I guess currently it's a duology. Uh, it might end up being a trilogy. Uh, we get into some of the training aspects of uh, of what it was like working, you know, being taught under Pure Tide. Uh Farsight and Shadow Sun are painted as uh in competition with each other, but uh but they're they're also romantically involved. And I don't really know what to think about this because if you th- if you look at where these two commanders are, first of all, they would have had to be at least uh Chassel at this point. Uh Farsight is coming off of his. Uh, we'll call it his Pyrrhic victory at Arconasha uh, and is, is really messed up about the fact that he wasn't allowed to reclaim the planet. And Shadow Sun, I guess, would be coming off of, uh, uh, I guess, just a series of victories in which uh, in which she, she must have performed really well in order to be considered for pure tide. Um That does not make them young people. That puts them in their 30s at the, at the if a, if a tau advances every four years, and we have we kind of have to make the assumption that there's a couple theories that like uh, tau probably entered uh, direct service at around eight or twelve years old. Um, so if you if you add four years up to up to the point where you get like uh, to a chassel status, you're 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 like a middle-aged Tao person. So it's interesting that the, that they're then painted with these kind of this this like young love uh, when they're when they're kind of on in years and have had, have had a lot of experiences and, and, and have, have, have led campaigns and everything. So it's a little bit interesting. And then of course they, uh, the author then introduces Kais as almost like a third wheel, uh, perhaps uh, like Twilight, if you will, uh, if, you, if, you, if you guys know what I'm talking about, the vampire werewolf story in which Kais is kind of the werewolf uh, in that there's unrequited love, Shadow Sun doesn't really seem to jive with him but then they bond together and they they create a bonded unit again it's very uh it's it's i still think it's like a a trio i like to think it's a trio sure and 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 throuples are totally acceptable however one of the reasons why caius is so messed up apparently uh is because he was not let's say not as loved as uh as farsight was so again this is kind of just important to know because these are the three different versions of shadow sun and for me i think that the most intriguing is the first in that she she was taught by a facsimile of commander pure and and never actually knew farsight um but but again you know that's that's the first iteration the second iteration now we're in the third and so the third kind of incorporates elements of all of that obviously because That is how uh, Warhammer 40,000 works. Nothing ever really gets deleted. Uh, Very few things get retconned. And more often than not, things get incorporated into each other. So I would imagine that this newest version of Shadow Sun is a a hybridized version of of all three. So so that's who Shadow Sun is. And once you you kind of see that as the foundation, uh, we'll spend the last, because we're we're, we're almost at an hour, but I would love to spend uh, the last part of this Tao Talk to, to talk about some of her victories, and, and then we'll get into discussion. So all versions of Shadow Sun describe her as a tactical genius. She earns her name uh, by basically incorporating the terminus of a planet uh, that which means like where where, where, the, where the where where the planet has a dawn side and a night side, Sun fights on the exact uh, line in between, and uh, she 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 is a stealth she's a stealth leader she she comes from the ranks of uh, presumably the XV Fifteens uh, because if she served uh, during the Damocles Crusade, um, and she uh, leads her uh, cadre's. Uh, in devastating uh, hit-and-run attacks uh, throughout her career. That's what she's known for. Um, there's another uh, theory that she uh, earned that name by taking advantage of, a, of an eclipse. Uh, it's a very dark Eldar uh, move to do, but either way, uh, what she is known for is devastating uh, sabotage and hit-and-run attacks against every enemy Im- imaginable. Where Farsight kind of focuses on the orcs uh, and kind of humanity um, to a lesser degree, Uh, Shadow Sun has basically faced every type of alien that the galaxy can throw at her and has managed to uh, turn a victory out of it. Uh, During the War of Confederation, um, specifically in the Koresh expanse, uh, at this point in time, as a result of Farsight's uh, error at Atari Vo, the western part of the empire uh, between Sakia and Viorla sep space uh, is overrun by orcs uh, and th- actually threatens the, the, uh, the inner seps, Tao, uh, Taoun. Um, and it is Commander Shadow Sun that turns the battle back. Uh, and she does this by learning how to basically take out uh, strategic sections of the orc command structure. Uh, and then causing them to kind of devolve into uh, inner fighting. She does the same thing uh, when there is a tendril of a, a Tyranid hive fleet. She identifies the, the hive mind or the hive nodes, uh, and she takes those out, again, using hit-and-run tactics uh, that she leads personally, uh, and then and then basically allows the aircast to come in and mop up what's left of the Splinter Fleet. Um, this is, this is a, a brilliant tactic that took hundreds, if not, yeah, I believe, hundred, I think about 600 years for the Imperium to finally get on board with. Like the Imperium, for, even, even command, uh, Imperial generals today will say that the Tyranids are nothing more than just like a locust swarm. And you, you just have to keep on firing into it until it, you, you finally kill all of them. Only very a handful of imperial leaders have figured out that that if you take out the hive nodes, they basically revert back into true beastly states that can then be mocked up. Um, Shadow Sun puts this together uh, within two or three engagements. Uh, she goes on to uh, when she is elevated to become the uh, the architect of the third sphere she and this is something that Farsight doesn't do. She utilizes the water cast to both get her intelligence from, from the surrounding sectors of space. Uh, and, and that allows her to have agents, you know, uh, Gwevessa agents, um, living amongst uh, these, these communities of humans so that when her fleets actually start launching, there are there are like three actually there might be as as many as nine different planets that are taken without a shot being fired this is because shadow sun incorporates all of the casts into what she all of the casts into her meta strategy whereas farsight kind of only uses the fire cast uh as well as, you know, let's just say uh, Ovessa, because, you know, he's an Earthcast genius. But if you read any of the stories about them, like Farsight nine times out of 10 is like contemptuous of Ovesa, something that I've also never kind of, never really understood. Like he just straight up, I think he straight up just doesn't like Ovesa, uh, even though they've known each other now for centuries. Um, Shadow Sun is the opposite of that in that uh, there is just a constant integration of everything that she does uh, with with her compatriots and the leadership of other casts, and we can really see that in the third sphere, the water cast uh, manages to turn more planets than that than than, uh, than the fire cast does. The water cast convinces these planets to join uh, the commonwealth, whereas uh, those holdouts are then hit, hit with massive pinpoint uh, force by Shadow Sun. Um, she takes about three years. To, to decide like what she's going to do. And then she trusts her commanders and the infrastructure to like enact that, that uh, I mean, let's just say her will uh, to do things like attack Taros, um, which, you know, Teros is an out of the way world, but it, it is a, a resource rich planet that, that nobody would think is very valuable. And we know that nobody thought it was valuable because when the Tau initially engaged Taros. It, there's like a token defense that the Imperium then has to like muster up a bunch of ships and go after them. Uh, and And by the time they get there, the tower ready for them. She uses her she uses her cadras extremely effectively. Um, and she she basically uh, understands how to go after the Imperium, which is hit them like six or seven times with a bunch of like quick jabs. And when the Imperium, which is the slow-moving like Leviathan, when it like powers up and gets ready to punch you back, like let it hit you. And she does several times. Um, she uses the Tao tactic of Ke-Yong, uh to basically lure Imperial forces to overextend themselves, and then she kills them by basically death by a thousand cuts. And we see this we see this across the board during the initial conflicts of the Third Sphere. And she takes massive swaths of space. In doing so, she actually ends up showing, and you can see this in in the the book Kaon uh, and Manka, uh, the two campaign books that came out during the the uh, eighth edition, that the Imperium actually like finally, <laughs> finally recognizes that the, the the Tau are a problem. That there's something that has to be done that they have to stop thinking that the tower is just a border issue or something that the ultramarines will eventually like mop up or all the things that you end up, you know, you enthusiasts uh, end up seeing in, in all of the message boards and, and all of the Facebook groups and everything that the tower can, all, you know, that they can just be dealt with. It's shadow sun that shows the Imperium that the tower are forced to be reckoned with. And she does it by doing something. And I, I stress this to you and everybody in the community to, uh, that she engages and she takes an entire imperial hive world called a ghrelin. And a ghrelin, just just so everybody kind of gets on the same page, the Tao empire uh, does not have a very large population. They do perform population control because they are in, uh, they're in a kind of society where everybody has a role uh, and everybody has a meaningful role. Um, even if you're a janitor in in Tao society, you are you are treasured for the work that you do. So as a result, there's no such thing as like uh, homelessness, uh, at least in the Tao part of the of the Commonwealth community. Uh, and that require and, and of course uh, there is no resource scarcity, at least none that we've been able to see. Uh, the Tao don't suffer from food shortages. They're not driven to cannibalism like humanity is in Warhammer Forty Thousand. Um, the The Commonwealth has solved a lot of the uh, sustainability problems that the Imperium, uh, despite being a galactic-sized superpower, uh, struggles with every day. Um, The Tau, but but in order to accomplish this, the Tau have to have have, uh, uh, population management. And so as a result, they don't don't have uh, hive worlds. The closest thing that they have is the Sept of Sakia. And the Sept of Sakia is reported to have the population of a single hive. Now, numbers always fluctuate. Every hive is different. But a hive, generally speaking, has several billion people living inside of it. And the Tau have that stretched across a couple of star systems in a single sept. So when the Tau find out about hive worlds initially, they actually think that they're being lied to. They think that the they think that the Imperium. That this is imperial propaganda. There's no way that 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 a hive, let alone a hive planet, could exist. But as the Third Sphere gets going, it's Anva and Shadow Sun, and I think Shadow Sun is a little bit reticent. She's a little bit reserved at the at the idea of doing this. But Anva says that they have to take out a hive planet, and in the scope, in the scope of 40k history, this almost never happens. Like. The only other examples of, like, hi, uh, hives being under attack are, like, Armageddon. And I think Armageddon is still in the process of the siege. Uh, and there's been three wars for it. I mean, you've had the, you've had the uh, Angron attack it initially, and then you have Gazgul attacking it uh, two or three times. So hive planets, like, just don't get taken. And if they do get taken, most likely they're just going to be destroyed. You know, you commit exterminatus or something like that. But hive planets are integral to how the Imperium runs. They are nexuses of leadership and command, as well as resource sinks. Like it takes entire sectors to feed hive worlds. And so when the Tau attack it, they do it in a way that is very much uh, in Shadow Sun's wheelhouse and, and her execution is flawless. She utilizes uh, traders, uh, Guevessa, living in the communities. Uh, and then she, she incorporates uh, attacking the food uh, convoys that go to a gremlin, uh, which starts starving the planet out. And then she actually invades and she does it with 20 cadres. And we don't know what the numbers are like, but that's, that's like, let's say that's a couple thousand Tau. And she effectively takes the planet in a handful of months. Now, this is where you really get into the notion that there could be like uh, uh, Tau plot armor. Like how could this have possibly happened? But if you actually look at, at the, at, the, at the writing and the descriptions. Like, Shadow Sun, just, it, she's just playing three-dimensional chess. And she knows that when she takes a Grellin, that the counterattack is going to happen. And it absolutely does, in the form of the Zeist campaign. And that's where Cato Sicarius, who's probably the most plot-armored person in 8th edition, Cato Sicarius leads a chapter-sized, uh, alliance of different Space marine chapters, twelve hundred Space Marines counterattack the Third Sphere advances, and they attack uh, a region of space uh, that is basically uh, adjacent to uh, a uh, and, and and they and, uh, and in sure fashion uh, they trounce all comers, like they they just knock out everything that t- that the Tau can throw at them except this is by Shadow Sun's design. She's basically created a heavy shield uh, based around the planet Agora, which is a couple light years away from Agrelin, now, by the way, called Mughaloth Bay, uh, which is a new sept that that, uh, that we'll get into. Uh, but she she basically sacrifices her left flank and exhausts Cato Sicarius, because Shadow Sun knows that the Ultima Segmentum, which is where the Tao uh, Commonwealth is and where all of this is happening, is being drained of resources in order to keep throwing armies and fleets at the Eye of Terror and the 13th Black Crusade that's going on there. So she does this uh, She does this knowingly. And, and this is the biggest example of how the Tao uh, do incorporate the notion of the greater good into their combat tactics. Uh, by sacrificing these gains, she ends up keeping the prize, which is Mugalath Bay. And sure enough, Cato Sicarius, you know, it, the 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 uh, the Imperial Space Marines, like they they do it. They they stop the advance of the Third Sphere, and this this is a this is a really big victory. And like the tower aren't going to expand any further. But that was again by Shadow Sun's design. And li- a little while after that, the the Space Marine chapters disband, and they all begin to pursue their own. Their own ends, which is mostly heading toward the Eye of Terror, and Cato Sicarius is forced to basically quit the field. Um, it's, it's phenomenal strategy. And what happens shortly there, and, and we'll get into it in the, in, in the next episode, uh, but the follow-up imperial attack, uh, so never never mind the, the giant ch- chapter-sized assault force, which which basically just runs out of gas. The Imperium then sends another crusade at Mugalath Bay. And inside of that formation are two heroes of the Space Marines, one, uh, one of them is a chapter master, a guy named uh, Severax, uh, he's, the, he's the chapter master of the Raven Guard. Corsaro Khan, who's a captain of the White Scars, he's there, uh, Titan legions, Uh, an enormous fleet which is going to engage the Tau on several different fronts simultaneously, a true crusade is going to be unleashed on Shadow Sun. And the coolest thing about all of this is that she's 100% ready for it. So, So we'll get into that in the next episode. But I'd love to open it up now to some conversation uh, thank you, everybody, for for uh, for listening. I, I got a little long winded, uh, as as I sometimes do. But um, but if you have anything that you'd like to bring up or questions, now would be the time. Uh, there's a button uh, where you can just uh, raise your hand, uh, and we'll if anybody would like to, down yeah, this immediately. is immediately. The... No talking. Oh, boss man, sure. of course. Cool. Yeah, uh, boss. Uh, yeah, uh, I will. There you go. Yep. All right. All right.
1: You have ten so seconds. Yeah, we'll... One of, the, one of the most interesting things I've noticed is that Farsight tends to be stated as a sort of lone wolf, whereas Shadowsun is the more working together with other people. While in, in the tabletop and in the lore,
0: Farsight has the eight, which is his own like, seven samurai reference or anything like that, and Shadowsun sure. has nobody. Right. Like Shadowsun gotta- has, has no named subcommanders, no, no pupils, no nothing. Right, they're they're starting to get into it a little bit into the fifth sphere. But you're absolutely right. Like there, there's no. I mean, I guess you could say that Darkstrider is one of her, is one of her like her confidants. Um, but you're right. He's kind like, of a special case. Yeah, it was like Darkstrider's exactly, kind of yeah. his own dude. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's it, it, very it, much a
1: lone wolf in his own way as well. Right. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's, he, he's more of like a Rambo type, and he only. <laughs> Sun points him in the right direction, and, uh, sure. and he
0: goes and kills things. Sure, sure. But you're absolutely right, guys. So, so I'll add to even on the tabletop, Farsight is verbally the guy who is uh, everybody has to find their own way, but it's actually Sun who is who's operating by herself. And usually, I mean, yeah, yeah. Her her rules, yeah. She has two. She now has two drones. She I think she used to only have one. She had two. Uh, now two she has before, a couple of drones. But does yeah. oh, she have two before. Yeah, no, she had two before, but basically, I mean, it's interesting because with the whole Supreme Command, she basically is brought in her own detachment. Like, just with her and her two drones, and that's it. And the drones work across different sets, but her abilities, only with tap, only, like, with her specific set. So, like, even rules-wise, she's uh, on her own. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Well, cool. Thank you, boss man. I'm just going to invite uh theo we uh mm-hmm. up uh, and then and then uh, black comet I see your hand so just uh <clears throat> hey how how's it going
1: um hello uh good um so you said that- Sh- uh Shadow sun was aware that ultramar was exhausting their forces, you know fighting the eye of terror, and I wasn't not aware that the tower even aware the Eye of Terror was a thing, so how would actually have the galaxy as a whole? No,
0: that's that's an excellent question. Um, I don't necessarily know if the Tau comprehend what the Eye of Terror is, but specifically mentioned in, actually, in the second uh, Tau Codex, the Tau Empire Codex, uh, it says that Shadow Sun identifies that the Imperial forces that are usually garrisoning uh, the Ultima Segmentum Uh, are starting to lessen and and that there are regiments and fleets that are disappearing. And from the macro, like from the Third Eye perspective, uh, as a hobbyist, you are told that that's because they're going to go strengthen the Eye of Terror uh, and try to stop the 13th Black Crusade. Uh, What Shadow Sun notices is just, this is the time to strike. She, She identifies that right now the Imperium is weak. And after 200 years of having this ridiculous notion of a ceasefire, which no it doesn't look like either side was paying attention to. Uh, this is the time to cancel the treaty and launch the third sphere and and partition all of these different uh, regions of space. so it's 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 a good call. I don't think that the Tau know uh, about the eye of terror. I think that they just I think that Shadow Sun just noticed that so you know we used to think that there were thirty guys in the barracks and now there's only two, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. attack so hope that, that answers makes... your
1: question yeah it does thank you
0: wonderful um uh, black comet here yeah i saw your your hand go up and then love jub juba will be next
1: all okay. right uh, hello how are you guys doing good, oh. good. Uh, i'm sorry I'm, yeah i want to I comment on something i notice like you're right now sasha does not get enough attention i noticed that when the when now, I'm kind of late to the party. Well, I was late to the party, but you know, back when they first released that, Shallow Sun took over a um, Hive planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that a lot of people on the 40K lore read it. Yes, I know. It's Reddit, but complain. There's a lot of complaining of uh, plot armor. And as I read, and Honestly, I did not know any of what you meant, and it may sound like that she conquered in a day, rather than you know what you said, like you know she did months upon months of preparation.
0: Sure, sure, uh, yeah, and keep in mind this is all you know. This is all in the source material. Like this isn't this isn't like an invention or an extrapolation. Um, Shadow Sun spends years planning the Third Sphere, whereas uh, a guy, uh, whereas Farsight, um, just kind of like. Launches and and goes into the dark. You know, there's, there there's no mention of forerunners or a vanguard or anything. And we have extensive uh, lore about how Shadow Sun is basically feeling out, uh, is feeling out the enemy. Like the first the first engagement that that Shadow Sun has during the Third Sphere is on a on like a forgotten planet on the edges of the Damocles Gulf, uh, a planet named Colm. And she engages with uh, dark eldar pirates, uh, and and that's and that's just part of her like feeling out the Timbra and Lethesh sectors, which are the which are the places that uh, the the both the Tau Commonwealth and and the imperial the immediate imperial uh, planets are in. She oh. is, but but it's a punitive and like it's a tiny action, like maybe maybe a single cadre basically hunts down a couple of dark eldar pirates that have been like kind of harassing the Vanguard. Um she she doesn't she doesn't just do like a giant knockout punch. She's she's constantly sending out uh scouts. Uh and maybe that's because she started uh presumably she started in the stealth cadres and the uh, and the X V 15 uh pilot squadrons. So yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: I was just yeah. saying like I find her more interesting i have more internet farsight because i know that farsight like i said farsight is more like leroy Jenkins, sure. while Southland is more like a, the planet i just like based on the memes and what i saw on the reddit people don't give her enough credit and think she got plot armor up the wazoo she, she's just well you yeah, know what they maybe...
0: fucking good at what she does and the
1: the lore yeah. backs like, it up yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of. It's just like I said. It's just sad. It's like,
0: well, maybe well, who knows? Maybe maybe this maybe this Tau talk and the subsequent podcast will convince people otherwise. So, thank you for your comment, Black uh, Black oh, comment. I'm going to bring uh, Love Jub, Jubba up. Here you go. Mm, Love Jub, Jubba. Hello. So, given uh, Shadowson's kind of right now she's at the well, whatever the name of the wormhole is i've forgotten it star tide nexus but she, that's it thank you uh so she's you know she's fighting the death guard so what exa- how exactly does she interact with chaos and chaos marines so that's that's a that's a good question um so shadow sun her biggest victory, her earliest victories are against the orcs because they're kind of overrun, overrunning the seps. Uh, she has a victory against the tyrannids. Um, and the tyrannids, after High Fleet Gorgon, basically just become like an ongoing problem. So uh, ends up hitting, what is it, uh, the Farsight enclaves toward the end of the 41st millennium. Um, after that, Shadow Sun is responsible for the expedition to Medusa 5. So, okay, so to talk about chaos very briefly, uh, I know that there is current fluff that says that kind of farsight represents the major, you know, the first contact with chaos. Uh, And I always like to challenge that because there there are, are canonical events in which Tau... Uh, especially from the Kelshan and Sakia seps, regularly have to fight against piratical chaos-oriented forces in the Pertus Rift. Now, just so everybody knows, the Pertus Rift is to the east of the Commonwealth and is known for uh, piracy as well as being the former uh, birthplace, like the former empire of the Kroot, because the Kroot used to have uh, a pretty vast interstellar empire before uh, before the orcs beat them down, and and then they voluntarily became you know basically Amish. Amish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Return so, to Amish. Right, right. So, but 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 we have first hand, hand accounts of a Sakia commander fighting with uh, in Kelshan and witnessing uh, Slaneshi chaos space marines uh, who are who are routinely like. Uh, stealing people or 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 raiding out you know uh, outlying uh, colonies and stuff like that, and when he engages them, he he sees the effects of uh, chaos taint specifically on a group of krut who eat uh, who eat the meat of these uh, of these slaneshi worshippers, uh, and during the final battle against the, this pirate lord, uh, those krut turn sides uh, and and and, basic, and, and you know, become chaos krut basically. Um, his uh, it's called the Kilto Histories. His his experiences uh, are then uh, placed in, at the at the academies in Sakia to specifically teach the next generation of fire warriors uh, to 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 identify and and to understand that there is a force called chaos. Uh, in which they have to they they have to be careful of. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. this is also tied to the Tao naivete. He believes this this Sakia commander believed that he actually killed Slanesh in that engagement. Now, obviously that's not the case. Um, but it does show that the Tao have fought chaos forces and do understand that it is a malignant force. Um, later, uh, just before the events of the third sphere, on a planet called Dolmar, which is what which is the the events of the game Fire Warrior take place on, um, you do have uh, a second big chaos event, in which Tau forces uh, witness uh, the the like un- unleashing of this uh, uh, of this of this chaos army that was imprisoned, uh, I believe by the Eldar, um, but. But what ends up happening is uh, the Shass, uh, I forget his name. The Shasel that's in, uh, that's involved in that uh, in that conflict um, is not surprised and just calls them the forces of the uh, of uh, of the Monta or the you know the Age of Terror. Uh, so the idea that the Tau like either a have only ever engaged uh, chaos uh, on Arthas Malak uh, when when Farsight. Uh, obtained the Dawnblade and lost his Ethereals. Um, it, it just doesn't line up. And, and quite frankly, it would be weird uh, that, that this knowledge of Chaos wouldn't be widespread. So the idea that the Ethereals would somehow keep Chaos a secret, uh, one, it doesn't make any sense because the ethereal like, you can't keep something like that a secret. Uh, and two, the Tau don't have religion. And so they don't have the same fear of chaos uh, that might that that like humanity would have. Uh, chaos is filled with the iconography of religion. They're, they're demons, you know. Um, uh, the Tao don't 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 have that relationship, both both on a pragmatic, uh, a cultural or biological level. The Tao don't don't have a very strong connection to the warp. So while they might be disturbed by the by what they witness, because I mean tentacles are creepy. Um, they, they don't necessarily think like, oh God, that's, that's the devil come to take my soul, you know, which, which humanity would inherently believe that, uh, if, if you were a regular human in 40 K and a demon popped out of thin air, yeah, you'd think like, here comes the devil, you know? So, so for shadow, so to answer your question, shadow sun has at least basic knowledge uh, that her sister was murdered by uh, some uh, by a keeper of secrets. She 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 at least she she's aware that and 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 holding the position that she does, uh, there would be no reason why she wouldn't be able to uh, ask for you know the final vid recordings that her sister had before she died. Uh, so she would, uh, and then of course all of the coalitions and and forces on Medusa Five would have been able to rep- report firsthand accounts. Of the you know living hellscape that that planet turned into after the warp, uh, the warp storm consumed it. So I would say the Shadow Sun knows what chaos is, and just very much like other cano- canonical sources and examples uh, that exist out there, just kind of regards chaos as probably extra dimensional de- uh, uh extra dimensional aliens. So a-, a demon isn't a demon. It's just uh, it's just a sentience or a life form from another. Uh, another type of reality or another dimension. Um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, th- thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love your name, by the way. Love jub All <laughs> All right. Um, you know, we've 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 rounded out. A, 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 we're we're a little bit over an hour right now. Um, uh, uh, I will let uh, everybody know that I always love to go to the uh, Tau Talks. Uh, there's like a there's like a, a the, the like a lounge I think it's actually just called tau talks though we should probably change the name uh, so it's not confusing but um, but Freud one of our members who's in the audience right now uh, he is actually working on uh, probably the most comprehensive uh, tau map of space and I know that I you know I throw a lot of names out there like Agrellan and uh, agora uh, Viorla, Sakia you know all of these are planets uh, and and I think that something that our community is really going to benefit from is actually seeing uh, seeing it all on a map and uh, you uh, you know utilizing people like yourselves. If you if you ever find uh, a world name or a planet, you know, or, or excuse me, or, or an outpost or a facility name or something like that, please don't hesitate to reach out to uh, Freud and myself, uh, and we can and we can like guesstimate uh, where it is. In relation to the rest of, uh, in the, the relation of the rest of the of the Commonwealth, um, it's really cool, and it helps everybody in their in their own lore and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, honestly, it's just it's like it's just like the most fun that I can have. And thank you so much, Freud, for being uh, artistic enough to to actually actually make something that that looks cool. Um, but does anybody have any other questions, uh, Redrix? Uh, no, I don't have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Well, then this is uh, this has been uh, one of our largest uh, town meets in a very long time uh, since I think Farsight, which is I think we're a little bit bigger than Farsight today. So I'm I'm very happy to see that uh, we will uh, we will be doing a follow up to Shadow Sun where we will begin with uh, the battle for Mughalath Bay, uh, as well as expand into the, uh, the the later fourth sphere as well as the fifth sphere. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about just the the overall influence that Shadow Sun seems to be having, uh, especially now that she's got a brand new suit with four arms and potentially what that means, because she's clearly a gene stealer. Uh, but we'll 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 talk about that another time. Thank you so much for coming, and I will be in the Tao Talks section. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Redrix. Hey, everybody. So in light of some of the things that have been going around on the internet, we just wanted to make sure that it's very clear that this podcast is in no way affiliated with Games Workshop or any of their copyright. Um, This is entirely fan-made, and we do so for the benefit of the community. Um, Join us next week. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. If you uh, are interested in joining our part of the community you can come to the discord channel tau40.000 we all look forward to seeing you there it's a good it's a good place especially if you want to argue about tau blood color